This is Rio of Madison Rising, and you're listening to our acoustic version of the Star Spangled Banner here on KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. Oh, say, can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming whose broad stripes in bright stars through the perilous fight oh the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming in the rockets red
You are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. KLRN Radio has advertising rates available. We have rates to fit almost any budget. Contact us at advertising at klrnradio.com. You're listening to the Spark Radio Network, internet radio like you've never heard before. Innovation, creativity, and imagination are all said to begin with a spark. So fasten your seatbelt and take the ride of your life and listen for the spark. God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden can now be heard Monday through Friday mornings at 7 a.m. Central, 8 Eastern and on Saturday and Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Join him and let's turn our country back to God. It only takes a spark to start a forest fire. Let's get on fire for the Lord. Right here on KLRN Radio and the Spark Radio Network. Visit Richard's website at raharden.com. That's the World Wide Web at R-A-H-A-R-D-I-N dot com. At his website, you can see a summary of the six books he has written, where purchases may be made. He also has a link to 18 videos on YouTube and several blogs about Christian beliefs. If you prefer, visit Amazon.com backslash Kindle and type in Richard Harden to see and purchase his books. You're listening to God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden. Richard will guide you through the Bible and help you find God's purpose for your life. Now here's teacher and author Richard Harden. Welcome to God's Pure Word of Faith. I'm Richard Harden, and again, I want to thank the Lord and the management of KLRN Radio for this great opportunity to share God's Word with you today. Proverbs 4.22 says God's words are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. And I'm going to be sharing a lot of God's word this morning. And I hope it will be health to your flesh and just life to your body and everything. But anyway, uh, I'm going to start out sharing about mercy. Mercy is so important. And then uh, include with mercy the relationship of mercy and truth in the relationship of grace and truth and then Jesus the man exalted to God and you'll, I hope I can well I hope pray for me that I'll be able to share this message in a way that um, I'll be able to show you the connection between these three concepts in a clear meaningful way that will be beneficial to you you know mercy grace and charity in the scripture is not different kinds of love or different kinds of God love. In fact, there is no such thing as a different kind of love. God is love, it says in 1 John 4, 8 and 16, that means there's no other kind of love. What we say, eros, uh, sexual, is just fleshly attractions, and uh, phileo is not love, it's just you know emotional 
and um, soul type attractions from the mind and emotions and things like this. Uh, but these aren't love. These are just uh, strong attractions. Now, when we talk about mercy, grace, and charity, they're not three kinds of love either. For example, if when you build a house, you connect your house to the city water main. And the city water main then, all the water that comes out in that main into your house uh, is the same water, essentially the same water. But some of it, you know, is distributed when it comes into the house to the kitchen, to the lawn, you know, the outside faucets. Um, bath water, toilet water, and things like this. And so you'd say the kitchen water, the refrigerator water, the lawn water, things like this. You know, you call it different names so you have an idea of, of just what area you're talking about. Well, that's what mercy, grace, and charity are. They're all God's love. But mercy is God's love on us. It says in Isaiah 59, 21, this is covenant with his people, his love on them, upon them. Grace is when we humble ourselves to God's word that we're a sinner, that Jesus is the answer, and we then invite him to come into our heart. Then grace is the word we use in to describe the work of the Spirit in our heart, where it says he creates in us a new heart, a new life. You know, he puts in us a new spirit. He takes away the stony heart out of our flesh, and he puts in us a new heart, clean heart, and he puts his spirit in us. And then we become a child of God. So grace is a word that refer, refers to this process of transformation from just a creature of God to a forgiven, cleansed child of God. Now we're one of his children. Everything Joint heirs with Jesus. And charity then is God's love working in our heart, a Christian, a, one who has the spirit of Christ in their heart. You know, we're a child of God, God's love working in us and through us or with us to go minister and allow his love to flow through us to someone else. So charity is a joint effort between God and man. God, you know, providing the strength, the power and everything like this, but we're the vessel that he's working through to someone else. And I think that's why that charity was taken out of all the new Bibles and everything like that. The devil didn't want uh, people to know the relationship of us working with God, or God working in and through us, with us, to reach out to someone else. But anyway, I'm going to be sharing more about these in just a minute. But first, I want to share with you about my website. I have some books. I have some videos on this. And so I'll be back in just a couple of minutes here. Visit Richard's website at raharden.com. That's the World Wide Web at R-A-H-A-R-D-I-N dot com. At his website, you can see a summary of the six books he has written, where purchases may be made. He also has a link to 18 videos on YouTube and several blogs about Christian beliefs. If you prefer, visit Amazon.com backslash Kindle and type in Richard Harden to see and purchase his books. Welcome now to uh, God's Pure Word of Faith. I'm going to begin today with uh, just grace and uh, try to share with you in a way that you'll understand this as clearly as possible and be able to use it throughout the scriptures whenever you... Excuse me, I just said I was going to share about grace. I'm sorry. 
we're going to start with mercy and uh, see how important mercy is in our life and finding the definitions of words in the scripture it's good to find a scripture that gives you a understanding of the operation of the particular word and everything so that you can come up with kind of an idea of, of what the word truly means in our everyday life uh, in Luke chapter 10 verses 30 37 Jesus tells a story we many of us are familiar with as a good Samaritan and uh, he said that a certain man went down from Jerusalem Jericho and fell among thieves and they beat him up and wounded him and left him half dead and it said that then a certain priest came by now a priest came by and saw him he passed on the other side then a Levite one of the uh, uh, spiritual leaders of the Jewish country there a Levite came by and uh, when he came to the place he looked on the guy lay him beside the road and just walked on by too didn't do anything now the fact that Jesus mentioned these that the guy laying on the side of the road must have been a Jew because these were Jewish spiritual leaders that he kind of indicates here should have stopped and done something you know out of compassion for one of their fellow men but then uh, he said a Samaritan now Samaritan was uh, a mixed breed of a uh, someone you know from Samaria and a Jew and the Samaritan I mean the Syrians didn't like them the Jews didn't like them they were you know just kind of you know pushed aside and everything they wouldn't associate with each other but this Samaritan he came along and it said he had compassion now that's love with a pity or something like that okay so uh, it said he went to him bound up his wounds poured oil and wine on him and and took him to an inn or a motel as we'd call it or a hotel took care of him and when he left he uh, paid the innkeeper and said uh, take care of him and when I come back by if if you need to do anything above what I've paid you and everything like that he said I'll repay you when I come back by and Jesus said now which of these was a neighbor to the man well a lawyer standing by he said he that showed mercy so what did he the Samaritan show to the man beside the road well a one-way love he didn't make a deal with a guy that he had paid for his you know motel or inn um, and you pay me back someday when you get the money or something or, or I'll take care of you and you know do all of this and you know you'll owe me something you know he, he didn't make any kind of deals with him he just it was a one-way love to that uh, man that was hurt there in fact since uh, Samaritans and Jews didn't get along that well and you know didn't associate with each other the Jew may not even have wanted the Samaritan to help him if he had been conscious or something you know uh, but anyway this is a description of mercy a one-way love helping people helping someone or you know to someone regardless of how they respond or even if they don't respond positively mercy love now Jesus also talks about this in Luke chapter 6 verse 28 to 36 it says bless those that curse you pray for them despitefully use you see so um, he's wanting us to go and share with people that despitefully use us and pray for them he said um, give to every man that ask of thee of him let's say taketh away thy goods ask them not again you know just let him have them God will provide you more and as you would that men should do to you, do you likewise to them. 
He said, if you love them which love you, what? how great is that? How, what thanks is that? For sinners also love those that love them. And he said, if you do good to them that do good to you, how, you know, so what? Sinners even, you know, take care of their own and everything and do good, you know, back and forth to them and everything. He said, even if you lend to them and you expect money in return, well, sinners do that also. He said, but love your enemies, do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and you shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind to the unthankful and to the evil. He says, be you therefore merciful. So he's saying this is a mercy type uh, sharing or love. It's when you give not expecting in return. Uh, sometimes you will get in return, sometimes you won't. He says, for he is kind to the unthankful and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful as your father is also merciful. And, and this is kind of love then Isaiah 59 God says his covenant with his people of the Old Testament he said uh, my love is upon them okay so uh, God reaches out to all people and the reason he wants us to be merciful to go to those that you know curse us maybe and things like this and share with them like in Romans chapter 1 verse 20 it says uh, in verse 21 it says the vain and foolish hearts are are you know, of those that have rejected God's love when he brings his love to them. He's promised to enlighten everyone. And like in Titus 2.11 says, The grace of God that bringeth salvation appeared to all men. Well, here in Romans it says that God has, you know, manifest himself to people. And when, when they come to know him and everything like that and know that it's him, um, they turn from him. Professing to be wise, they become fools. They turn away from God. And God says he gives them up to the lust of their hearts. Uh, they change the truth of God to a lie. He gives them up to vile affections. Uh, they do not want God in their knowledge. He gave them over to reprobate minds or not knowing right from wrong. Uh, these are people that hate God. When he brings his love and his message to them, his presence to them, they hate him. Knowing the judgment of God, these people even that, that what they're going to do is worthy of death, they not only do this, but they consent and have pleasure in others that do them, and they encourage others to do them. You know, like they recruit for people to join them in doing evil and everything. Now, this is the kind of people that, see, God's presence just turns them off. That's why so many people don't want uh, Ten Commandments or the Nativity scene and things like this to be seen in our country. Um, it just turns them off and everything. They turn from God. But see, even though God backs up and, and gives them over to this, he still blesses them. Like in Romans 4, 2, it says God blesses lost people to draw them to repentance. But he blesses them in ways maybe that they don't know it's him. But he wants us to share with them still so that they can know that we are children of God and that they can see what God is doing for his children and we can be a testimony to them like Psalm 67 even in the Old Testament the Jews were supposed to be testimonies to others David says God be merciful and bless us cause your way to your way to God be merciful and bless us and cause your face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth your saving health among all the nations and see he wants to use us for that testimony now that's why he says he wants us to serve him in mercy, you know, reaching out to those that if, if he makes his presence known to them, it'll just kind of push them further away. 
But if they see what he's doing for his children and doing for us, maybe their hearts will be touched and drawn to him. Now, as children of God, we're to live and be examples of his blessings. Like it says in Second Corinthians 5.20, that we're ambassadors for Christ. We're to share his pure word and his love and life in us and testimonies and everything. Revelation 12.11 says that, and they overcame him, speaking of the devil, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. See, we're supposed to be sharing with them where our blessings are coming from and everything. Now, I'm going to share you some scriptures about mercy, and maybe it'll give you a, uh, hopefully a better insight to it. Psalms 40, verse 8 to 11. The psalmist says, I delight to do thy will, O God, yea, the, thy law is within my heart. I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Now, what is preaching righteousness? Righteousness comes from accepting and obeying God's word to faith. So righteousness, then, we become right with God when we accept, receive, and obey his word into our heart. And the psalmist saying here, he, he was preaching righteousness. What well, to get that in the Old Testament, everything like that, or um, acceptance and obedience to God's word was considered, you know, uh, righteousness to them. It says, I've not refrained my lips. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed the loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. Withhold not thy tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let thy loving kindness and truth continually preserve me. Then Psalms 37:21, The wicked borroweth and payeth not again, but righteous showeth mercy. That is, more than just borrowing or something like that. He said, uh, he is ever merciful and lendeth, and uh, his seed are blessed, and he pays back his debts and things. In Lamentations 3.21, it says, This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. See, if it wasn't for the Lord's mercy on us and around us and like that, before we become children of God, you know, when we're growing up as young people, and especially those people in the Old Testament, if it wasn't for God's mercy in our lives and protecting us, caring for us, the devil would tear us apart and we would never make it. Because like in John 10.10, 10, Jesus says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So God protects uh, people, young people, and until they come to a knowledge of him, he protects them in a special way that the devil can't do that to them. Now, that he's going to make his will or his love known to them. And then we have to make a choice, each of us individually, either to accept and receive his love in their heart or reject him. And, you know, if a person rejects, it's what's called unbelief. Now, it says, Every morning, great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to them that wait for him, the soul that seeketh him. It is, a, it is good that a man should both hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It said, you know, like it says there, that, you know, God bless them if we just seek him while we're waiting on him and everything. Because so many people can turn to alcohol, drugs, or, you know, power, or money, sex, or whatever, you know, like this, uh, to get their mind off of God and everything. But he blesses people that will care enough to turn to him. Now, in the book of Daniel, Daniel says, Oh my God, incline thine ear and hear. Open my, thine eyes and behold our desolations, the city which is called by thy name. For we do not 
present our supplication before thee for our righteousness, but for thy great mercy. See, he's saying, we're not doing it. I'm not calling out to you, you know, because I think I'm so righteous and everything like that. I deserve stuff and everything. He said, but for thy great mercies, we know you love us so much and everything. Oh, my God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, for our country, the USA, which you helped our founders establish to be the light to the world of your love, is fading into the past right now. Oh, Jesus, here, open the blind eyes again of the lost who are turning our country against you and open the eyes and stir up the hearts of your children to start sharing with everyone that we meet if the person will allow us to share with them everything you know uh, and even the other your children like that that we can you know build each other up but help us be used of you to turn our country back to you and see that's what Daniel was praying for his country and that's what I'm praying for and hoping that you'll join with me to pray for and 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 be a part of helping the Lord work through us to help turn our country back around Romans 12 1 I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service he wants us to go to those who have rejected him he wants us to, you know, take care of our bodies and everything and to be that witness of how he'll bless us and everything. So, and so many Christians that hold unforgiveness and then receive, you know, sickness and things like this. In the, what, 2 Corinthians 2, 10, 11, it says, forgive others lest you give Satan advantage. Uh, holding unforgiveness and hate or bitterness or violating any of God's rules, you know, like this or laws, um, if we just hang on to that, now we can turn to the Lord and say, oh, Lord, please forgive me. You know, the Lord, Jesus made forgiveness available to us on the cross if we turn to him and ask. And then we do that for salvation. But yet after we've received uh, the forgiveness for salvation, receive his spirit in our heart, and we've received a new heart and we become a child of God, when we do things like, um, we, you know, like, forgive others lest you give Satan advantage well we need to get that back right with God in our heart forgive that person and then the Lord will forgive us we'll be back in fellowship with him and uh, well 1 Peter 3 7 says husband dwell with your wives according to knowledge being joint heirs of grace of life uh, as unto the weaker vessel lest your prayers be hindered see when we violate any of God's uh, tight principles or, or rules for us like this our prayers are going to be hindered if we don't, you know, uh, get back and ask his forgiveness. We're, we're like, you know, a, an unruly child then. If, if your child just gripes and complains about doing something you ask him to do, um, it doesn't, you know, give you much joy and fellowship right then. But if a child turns around and say, oh, Dad or Mom, I'm sorry, you know, like that, I'll do it. And it just, you know, just opens up the gates of, you know, love and everything and relationship. And that's the way it is with God. We're his children. And we want to keep that relationship open and pure. First Corinthians 6.19 says, What know you not your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, or Christ, the living word in us, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, Christ, the living word, which is in you, which you have of God, you are not of your own. See, he's, he's paid the price for us and everything, for his death on the cross. And uh, Jesus instructs us in and Luke 6 again, Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father is also merciful. Now, 
Luke 10, 37, and all these others show that mercy is a one-way type love, not expecting anything in return. Certainly, the Lord wants us to respond positively and, um, to Him and His mercy to us. But like I shared with you a while ago in Psalm 67, as the Jews were supposed to have been you know, His light to the world, we as Christians, with Christ in our heart, are supposed to be the light to our world. We're supposed to be the minister in our world. Like Psalm 67, God be merciful, bless us, cause your face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving health among all the nations. Let the people praise, O God, let all the people praise. Let all the nations be glad and sing for joy, for thou shalt judge the people righteously and govern the nations upon earth. Let the people praise thee, O God, let all the people praise thee. Then shall the earth yield her increase, and God, even our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us, and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. And hopefully, many of them will come to know his love and his presence in. Hebrews 8, 12, for I will, God says, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. When he forgives our sins, and uh, cleanses our heart, gives us a new clean heart. We come into the kingdom of God with a new clean heart, and he puts his spirit in us. Now, we aren't just a creature of God like we were before. Now, we're a child of God because his spirit is in union in our heart with us and him in a way that we're now children of God, joint heirs with Jesus. Psalms 86, 5 says, Thou, Lord, art good, ready to forgive. Plenteous in mercy, his love to us, it says, to them that call upon thee. And again there, that Second Corinthians 2, 10, 11, you know, forgive others. It's hard to do, but pray and ask for his love and his, because he's ready to forgive us, and we should be ready to forgive those other people, have our hearts prepared, that if they were to come to us and ask forgiveness, that we could turn to him then and get that forgiveness, you know, like that. So, uh. Be thinking about that. I'm going to take a short break here, and I'll be right back in a couple of minutes. You are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden can now be heard Monday through Friday mornings at 7 a.m. Central, 8 Eastern and on Saturday and Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Join him and let's turn our country back to God. It only takes a spark to start a forest fire. Let's get on fire for the Lord, right here on KLRN Radio and the Spark Radio Network. Visit Richard's website at raharden.com. That's the World Wide Web at R-A-H-A-R-D-I-N dot com. At his website, you can see a summary of the six books he has written, where purchases may be made. He also has a link to 18 videos on YouTube and several blogs about Christian beliefs. If you prefer, visit Amazon.com backslash Kindle and type in Richard Harden to see and purchase his books. Each of my programs are being saved so that you can listen to them at any time. There's just four simple steps to find the past programs. Go to www.spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. 
Enter my name, Richard Harden, in the search box in the top center of the home page. Click on the brown icon, which has the Bible, two candlesticks, and a cross in the background. A list of my programs will come up. You're listening to God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden. Richard will guide you through the Bible and help you find God's purpose for your life. Now here's teacher and author Richard Harden. Welcome back. I'm Richard Harden. I'll continue now in my discussion of mercy, God's one-way love to us. And uh, He wants us to show mercy and allow His love to you know, live in and through us to others. Because there's some people that if He manifests Himself to, will just drive them further from Him. You know, talking in the book of Romans, how He's given up people to you know, reprobate mind and things like this. He hasn't given them up for salvation. In Ezekiel 33:11, it says, God doesn't rejoice in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn and live. But see, when it gets to where the more he manifests his presence to them or something like that, the more it drives them from them. Like you may have had a relative or a close friend like that too that has turned from you or something. And the more you try to do directly for them, uh, in a sense, the worse it makes the situation. Well, then you might get someone else to go talk to them or, you know, soften their heart or you tell them, you know, in a different way what you really meant that you didn't, you know, things like this to, in a sense, be a mediator for you to try to get them to come back to you. Well, he wants us to share with those people in love to them to maybe open their eyes to what they're missing, something like that, to bring them back in relationship because um, the words of reconciliation have been, you know, shared with us as in, Second Corinthians uh, 5, 17, 18. The words of reconciliation to help others. You know, we pray you in Christ's stead. You know, Christ is not here, something like that, or Jesus is not here to share these with you, but we're doing it instead of him. Anyway, now in uh, mercy, the one-way love of God to us and upon us. Micah chapter 7, verse 18 says, Who is a God like thee that pardons iniquity and passes transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He retaineth not his anger forever because he delights in mercy. God delights in mercy. So as his children, you know, most children like to do what, you know, their fathers and mothers like to do, you know, at the early ages and everything especially, and to copy them, their moms and dads. And so this is what he wants us to do. He delights in showing mercy. He would like for us to, you know, allow him to work through us to, you know, carry his love to those that we meet throughout the daytime to testify and whatever. Psalms 41, Proverbs 14, 19, and 22 says, uh, they say that when you give to the poor, you're lending to the Lord. You And it says you honor the Lord. And it's like you're sending your building blocks for your mansion, if we're going to have mansions, ahead to the Lord. And that's a, that's a way of doing it, you know. We can't take anything with us, but we can send that mercy uh, love, you know, that we have for others, you know, the the deeds and everything like that. Um, and these also say that the Lord will repay. So what better investment of your time and money could you have than, you know, um, helping those in, in need and everything and and doing it with love, not just to say, well, you know, I'm, I'm helping them, so I'm building my mansion in heaven or something like that. And everything. No, but, uh, but the Lord 
delights in mercy and helping others like that. And he wants us to, too. In uh, Matthew chapter 25, it says, uh, Jesus was talking about, you know, helping others and everything. In verses 30 to 45, it says, Cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. Darkness there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels, uh, then shall he set upon his throne in his glory. And before him shall be gathered nations. He shall separate one from another, like as a shepherd divideth the sheep from the goats. And he'll say to the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left hand, then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, you blessed of the Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world, speaking to the to the sheep. Now, for I was hungry, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was stranger, and you took me in naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, say, Lord, when saw we thee hunger, and fed thee, and thirsty, gave thee a drink, a stranger, and took ye in, and naked, and clothed you? Or when shall we, uh, when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came to you? And king will answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch you have done it to the least of these my brethren, you have done it unto me. See, so um, start getting a more of a generous giving attitude with the blessings and things that God has given us because as we share with others, He'll give us more to share with them. And as, you know, He delights in, you know, the mercy like that. But then He turns to the ones on His left hand, the goats, it says, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. See, no one was ever predestined to go to heaven or hell. Especially, no one's predestined to go to um, hell, but he wants all of us to come be with him in heaven because, see, everybody created on earth he loves with a perfect love, and he wants to have fellowship with them. And Isaiah, let's see, 43 17, it says, These people I've formed myself, they shall show forth my praise. You know, He's, he's formed us, you know, to, to be his instruments here and to fellowship with him and to serve him in different type things. And we each have a certain special calling that only you can find if you seek it. And Second uh, Timothy 1.9 says, God saved us and called us to a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, created in Christ Jesus before the world began. Now, if you want to really... Uh, get excited about living and doing something. Seek God's holy calling. Uh, in fact, it's evil if we don't. In Second uh, Chronicles chapter 14, verse 12, it says, Rehoboam, Solomon's son, did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. See, so, so seek his holy calling. That's the greatest thing you can do in your life. Is to, And uh, the greatest joy will come from knowing that you truly are seeking his will for your life and that special holy calling he has for you. In uh, James chapter 2, verse 13, it says, For God shall have judgment, oh no, excuse me, for he shall have judgment without mercy that has shown no mercy. Mercy rejoices against judgment. See, like I was saying, all those uh, scriptures a while ago where it says God will you know, bless you for you know, giving to the poor and honoring him and, and sharing like that and going forth out and, and being a witness for him. Well, you know, when, when you have a time of need then, um, it says here that mercy rejoices against judgment, or he'll maybe override something that he would normally have done, you know, in, uh, in judgment, and show his love instead. Matthew 5, 7, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. See, 
the more we show others mercy, it, it's almost like we're, we're, we're kind of protecting ourselves because, you know, we can expect then in our time of need back here, um, maybe if we messed up or something like that, God still in his mercy could, you know, go around the regular, you know, principles and everything and um, forgive us and and get us out of the situation. Jonah 2.8 they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. See, if, if I'm so proud and everything like this, and I, you know, uh, try to build up a big estate, and I show everybody how rich I am and things like this, and, and hold that to myself when there's so many people with needs around me. You know, it says here, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. When my time of need comes, you know, like I said, blessed are merciful, they shall obtain mercy. Maybe some out of the God won't show me that mercy in time, you know, of my needs. If I've been, you know, that way and holding back and, you know, uh, not sharing with others. But in Psalms 23, 6, the last verse says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, now surely goodness and mercy just automatically doesn't follow us. And, and it's not two angels with the name goodness and mercy like so many people jokingly say or something like that goodness is only going to follow you if you do goodness see if you do good to other people and everything then if people look back on your life they will see that yes you've done good mercy if you show mercy to others as you go you know I think of it like a a boat out on a beautiful lake. I've seen that sometimes going water skiing like that. The lake would be just like glass. And you go water skiing out through there and you can look behind you and you see those wakes spreading out from you and everything that the boat's making, that you're making as you're water skiing and everything. And I think of like that goodness and mercy following us on each side as we um, ski through life, <laughs> sharing God's love and sharing his, you know, uh, testimonies and things like this, you know, that there's it makes waves behind you and that's what this scripture is kind of referring to here but for goodness and mercy to follow you you've got to perform those acts of goodness and mercy first corinthians 3 says that every man works you know when we stand before the lord in the judgment seat of christ he says every man's work shall be made manifest for the day will declare it because it shall be revealed as by fire fire shall try every man's works of what sort he is. If a man's works abide which he has built thereon, he shall receive a war. If a man's works shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved so as by fire. Don't the scripture encourages us in Hebrews, don't neglect so great a salvation that you have, that you know, Christ in us, the creator of the universe living in us, in our hearts, uh, and don't just neglect that and share it with others because he wants us to, you know, share it with others and everything. Now, I want to, as one way love, I want to share with you now about uh, the mercy and truth relationship. Mercy and truth. And one of the reasons I'm doing this now, listen to these scriptures I share with you because uh, I only mention this now because of what's being told millions of people around our world every day. Uh, the Bible answer man, Hank Handicraft, he says that the infinite God died and suffered infinitely more than any of us could. It was God's God dying for and suffering for our sin debt. Now, so he's saying here that, you know, God... Uh, 
was in heaven and came in Jesus, that Jesus was God here on earth, you know, like that. And uh, uh, that's not true. Jesus, the man Jesus, is the one that died on the cross for us. Right before he died, uh, he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Then the Spirit of Christ in his heart, that he had had the Spirit of Christ in him all along, even from the conception of Mary, you know, when the angel spoke to her and she received God's living word then and conceived. Well, the Spirit was of Christ was always in Jesus. But yet, Jesus the man died on the cross because the Spirit of Christ left him when Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And that's when he took our sins on, like the scapegoat of the Old Testament sacrifices. He took our sins in, that separation of his heart from God. He willfully took that during that short time then before he died on the cross. It was the man Jesus that died on the cross for our sins. It wasn't God dying on the cross for our sins. That don't make any sense. God couldn't die. What is he? You know, how's he going to do that? But anyway, it was the man Jesus dying for our sins. Now, the covenant with the people of the Old Testament, Isaiah fifty-nine twenty-one. God says, "As for me, this is my covenant with them," saith the Lord. My spirit is upon thee. Says mercy. My spirit is upon thee. My words I have put in thy mouth. So it was God's mercy and truth. In John seventeen seventeen, Jesus says, Sanctify them by thy word. Thy word is truth. See, so he says, uh, his words are truth. My spirit is upon thee, and my words I have put in thy mouth. His truth, his word to us. And he goes on to say, The, the words in his mouth shall not depart out of thy mouth. Means you're going to keep his words and you know like that. You will share them, speak to him, but that's not what it means. Departing, but uh, it means you won't quit sharing his word. Okay. Nor out of the mouth of thy seed, your children, nor out of the mouth of your seed, seed, your grandchildren, from henceforth and forever. See, so that's the relationship. He says himself, the covenant with the Old Testament people is his spirit on them, and his words to their mouth, spirit, mercy, and truth. Now, Psalms 25.10 says the same thing. It says, All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth, and to such as keep his covenant and testimony. So all of the godly people of the Old Testament, they had his love upon them, and they had his truth, his words to them for guidance and direction. In fact, to show this, um, Hebrews 11.26 says, Moses esteemed the riches of Christ greater than all the wealth of Egypt. Because, see, God's mercy on them, and in his truth, his word, living word Christ to them. Moses esteemed the living word, the truth, the word of God, greater than all the wealth of Egypt. Now, um, Psalm 61, David said, And he shall abide before God forever, O prepare mercy and truth, which may preserve him, that is a godly man. And he, he wants refuge in God. And the reason I'm showing this is because, see, in the Old Testament, it was uh, God's love and God's word in the relationship with the people of the Old Testament. Uh, Jesus wasn't in the Old Testament. Neither was grace, because, see, grace came by Jesus. It says, and I'll share later when I get to that, but... John chapter 1 verse 17 says grace and truth came by Jesus. Now mercy and truth was God's relationship with the people of the Old Testament everything. Now in uh, 
Psalms 85.10, it says, Mercy and truth are met together, righteousness and peace. See, righteousness now comes from acceptance of God's word, his truth. Peace comes from, you know, that uh, mercy and truth in a person's life and knowing God's relationship and serving him like this. John 14, 15-20. Uh, now it says, If you love me, Jesus says, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Now he's saying another comforter now. That he may abide with you forever. Abide. Live in. Be a part. You abide with someone, you're living with them, in them. Something like this, you know. Um, even the spirit of truth. So he's saying the comforter is going to be the spirit of truth. What is truth? God's word. The spirit of God's word. And the spirit of God's word is Christ. Christ in us, our hope of glory. The spirit of truth, spirit of Christ. Whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him. For he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. The spirit of truth in me and you. The spirit of truth, the spirit of Christ, the spirit of God's word, see. Then Jesus says, listen now, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. So he said, he's going to come to us. Him, his spirit's going to come to us. And, and along with the spirit of truth, along with comfort. So see, these names here are all talking about the same God coming to us, coming in us. It's going to be with us and in us. Now in the Old Testament, remember, it, it said in Isaiah 59, this is my covenant with them. My spirit upon them and my words to them. Now he's saying here, it's going to be his spirit of truth, his words to us, but he's going to be with you, with me, and shall also be in us. He said, yet in a little while the world seeth me no more, but you see me. Because I live, you shall live also. Now, when is that going to happen to us? When we receive the comforter? When we receive the spirit of truth? Or when we receive the spirit of Christ? Verse 20 tells you, at that day you shall know that I am in my Father, ye in me, and I in you. That's it, salvation. When we're baptized into the body of Christ, as Paul says in, um, let's see, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, by one spirit are we all baptized into the body. And he's talking about the body of Christ, see. And that's the day you get the comfort. There is no greater comfort than knowing that Christ lived in me, my heart, that he had actually come to live in. When, when I recognized that after I received Christ in my heart back in 1974, wow, what a change has taken place. My attitudes, my, you know, my love for people, all this other kind in my heart that had been filled with lust and, and just lying, cheating, and stealing, and all these things of the flesh and everything. But such a great comfort to know that now Christ is in me, Christ in me, my hope of glory. Like it says in Ezekiel 36, 26, God said, A new heart also will I give you. He did it. A new heart also will I give you. A new spirit will I put within you. I'll take away the stony heart out of your flesh. And I'll give you a heart of flesh, and I'll put my spirit in you. See, he's putting his spirit in us. We become a child of God then. In the new covenant, we see the spirit of Christ, the living word, and Jesus is the same. The Old Testament, they received God's truth and his word in their mind and mouth in Isaiah 59, 21, but not in their heart. That's why it says, you know, that um, the grace is the gift of God is for by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves, but is a gift of God. 
because see we don't pray and ask for grace faith to receive Christ in our heart we have to receive God's living word we have to make the choice to receive his word into our heart and then when his word comes into our heart he performs those changes and everything the new heart the new life and that's the work of grace so it's just an automatic response to us bowing and humbling ourselves to God's word inviting him to come into our heart and perform that work so grace is considered a gift because we get it in addition to forgiveness and you know everything in the Old Testament all the people got was forgiveness when they called out to the Lord they got forgiveness and then um, you know they offered a sacrifice and everything and then they had to come back over and over and over to do that but they never got a changed heart they never got the pure heart they never got Christ in their heart to become a child of God like we do and that's why it's considered you know like it's a gift of God but now there is something you must do for that gift you know people say you know that uh, you know grace is God's unmerited favor which is has to do with uh, uh, what is it, Romans 4.2 where it says God blesses lost people drawn to repentance that's God's unmerited favor you know from, from grace and, you know being God's unmerited favor that's not true grace is the spirit of Christ working their heart unmerited favor is for lost people or people rejecting God some way or another and that uh they don't deserve it like we didn't deserve it before we you know came to Jesus and received him into our heart nobody deserves it something like that but that's the way God wants it so his mercy is one way love to people when they're rejecting him it says in Romans 4 2 says he blesses lost people draw them to repentance that's an undeserved favor everything to God but yet we can't earn God's grace you know, but there is something we must do we must invite his living word into our heart to perform the work of grace humble ourselves and say Lord please forgive me come into my heart and save me create in me the new heart you know and I commit my life to you we must turn to him call out with all our heart Romans 10 10 9 says whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved there's something we must do but we still can't earn that grace it's like a free gift to go along with us receiving his words by faith into our heart okay. uh, Psalms 86:15. be thou Lord uh, but thou Lord art a God full of compassion and gracious long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth pity and kindness to an inferior person is what it's meaning here in this word gracious it's, it's there's no grace in the Old Testament but what this was talking about was pity and kindness to somebody in fear somebody inferior like one of your employees or you know uh, like to your children not inferior as a person's inferior but then a, a position lower than you and you have maybe some control in their life and you have pity upon them then um, and you grant mercy on them or something Psalms 89 14 justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne mercy and truth go before thy face so seek the face of God seek his presence seek his love and these other things will be worked out Psalms 115 1 not unto us O Lord not unto us but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth sakes so unto thy name we give glory to him and his love and his words to us is because God's word living word is Christ Christ is the power of God the living word of God that was to Moses and the living word of God that created the universe.
Proverbs 3, 3, Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them on the tablets of thine heart. Now, see, so the covenant in the Old Testament was God's love, like it says in Isaiah. Uh, my spirit is upon thee, and my words are to thee. And I know Dr. John Hagee down in San Antonio says that anyone that says that there's no grace in the Old Testament is scripturally illiterate. But yet, and many other people say that too, that there's grace in the Old Testament. People are saved in the Old Testament by grace, just like they're saved today by grace, and and so on like this. And uh, that's just not true. Psalms 25.10, the psalmist says, All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth. God's love on us, as it says in Isaiah, or God's love on them of the Old Testament, and his words to them, mercy and truth to such as keep his covenants and testimonies. So Jesus was in the Old Testament. It was just God's love on them and his truth, his word to them. Now, uh, Proverbs 14. Do they not err that despise that devise evil? But mercy and truth shall be to them that devise good. Proverbs 16. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. By fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. If Jesus had been in the Old Testament, don't you think that he would have been mentioned in some of these uh, verses here about mercy and truth uh, being the answer for people, whatever their needs are and everything? In fact, in the uh, uh, book of Daniel where it talks about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire, Nebuchadnezzar king said uh, the form of the fourth man in there he said that form is like the son of God well he said that but you know that doesn't make it true because Psalm 34 7 says the angel of the Lord encamps around about those that fear him and delivers him and in Daniel chapter 6 where it's talking about uh, uh, when Daniel was put in the lion's den you know and he specifically says in verse 22 my God has sent his angel and has shut the mouth of the lions. See, so uh, this wasn't, you know, appearances of of Jesus in the Old Testament like that, like so many of uh, some of the theologians teach and everything. It says here, it was God's angel doing that. And uh, in all these verses I read to you about mercy and truth being the answer for whatever the need and everything, it would have been mercy, truth, and Jesus. Somehow or another would have been recognized like that. But no. Jesus was born of Mary in the flesh, and it was the man Jesus that died on the cross. He didn't become God till after his death, burial, and resurrection, and then God was so pleased with him, he exalted him to the fullness of a Godhead beingly. And that's when the creation of the Trinity became, because in the Old Testament it was just God and his love and his living word, Christ. Moses esteemed the riches of Christ greater than all the wealth of Egypt. It was God and his living word in the Old Testament until Jesus then was exalted to the fullness of Godhead bodily after his resurrection and death on the cross. You are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. Radio has advertising rates available. We have rates to fit almost any budget. Contact us at advertising at klrnradio.com.
Visit Richard's website at raharden.com. That's the World Wide Web at rahardin.com. At his website, you can see a summary of the six books he has written, where purchases may be made. He also has a link to 18 videos on YouTube and several blogs about Christian beliefs. If you prefer, visit amazon.com backslash Kindle and type in Richard Harden to see and purchase his books. Each of my programs are being saved so that you can listen to them at any time. There's just four simple steps to find the past programs. Go to www.spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Enter my name, Richard Harden, in the search box in the top center of the home page. Click on the brown icon, which has the Bible, two candlesticks, and a cross in the background. A list of my programs will come up. You're listening to God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden. Richard will guide you through the Bible and help you find God's purpose for your life. Now here's teacher and author Richard Harden. Welcome back. Uh, this first hour I've shared with you about mercy, individual mercy, how the covenant of the Old Testament in Isaiah, God says, As for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord. My spirit is upon thee, and my words which I have put in thy mouth shall not depart out of the mouth. Or like in Psalms 25.10, His spirit was the one-way spirit on us mercy in the Old Testament on us not in us now because the spirit in our hearts is a work of grace so there was no grace in the Old Testament he said his covenant is my spirit is upon thee my words I put in thy mouth his words to us now Psalms 2510 Psalmist agrees says all the paths of the Lord are mercy God's one way love on us to us and his truth his word to us for guidance and things. Now, there were a lot of uh, punishments, you know, things like this, you know, other things for people to disobey, but it says here that mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant and testimony. See, for those that were seeking to be godly in the Old Testament, it was his love on them and his words to them. Now, under the New Testament, when Jesus came, Jesus came in the fullness of the Spirit. Uh, and it says in John 1.17, says, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Now, grace is a work of the Spirit of Christ in our heart. When we humble ourselves to God's word that we're a sinner, that, that Jesus is the answer for our sins, what he did on the cross and the perfect sacrifice, the seven sprinklings of his blood on the cross, and then his death, burial, and resurrection, and he was raised to newness of life and everything. And his resurrection spirit then comes back. Well, the resurrection spirit was Christ raising him from the dead, the living word of God, you know, like that. Uh, raising him from the dead. So his spirit comes back, the creating power of God, Christ in us. In 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 24, the scripture says that Christ, the power of God, the creating power of God, the, you know, all of God's power is in his spoken word. 
Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom. God's pure word. See, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom, the pure word of God. That's why we must speak his word faithfully and not add to it or take from it. Proverbs 35 and 6 says, Every word of God is pure, a shield, and put their trust in it. Add thou not to it, lest you be reproved and found a liar. Because when we add to or take away from God's word, he won't back it up. It's just our powerless words. But if we're speaking God's pure word, he will back up his pure words through us as much as he would back up his pure word through Jesus. Because, see, God honors his word, and his word shall not return void, he says. In fact, when uh, God spoke through the donkey to Balaam, God honored his word through an animal to Balaam. But, see, it was his word he honored. And, uh, anyway, but grace and truth came by Jesus. Now, mercy, grace, and charity are not different kinds of love. Like I mentioned a while ago, um, the city water main, water goes to the kitchen, goes to the uh, outlets for the outside yard watering, for bath water, toilet water, and just refrigerator water and all this. But it's the same water coming from the city. Now, see, and that's the way it is. God's mercy on us is God himself. God is love. First John 4, 8 says, um, God is love. God's mercy is God's love on us, to us, around us, and everything. God's grace is His when we receive Him then into our heart and invite Him to come in and forgive us our sins and commit our life to Him. When God then, His Spirit comes into our heart, He performs a work of grace in to create in us a new heart, a new life, at salvation, and He leaves His Spirit in us. He puts in that new Spirit in us, and we become a child of God. Now it's Christ, His living Word in us, our hope of glory. You know, it's Christ in us. Uh, we're now adopted into His family as children. People of the Old Testament just had God's Spirit on them and His Word to them. Now, mercy, grace, and charity is a work of God's love in a Christian's heart. You know, the work of grace, and then He works through that Christian to someone else, or he, he and the Christian go to someone else and work together. See, charity is a joint effort between God and man. He has his love in us, and he wants us to share his love in and through us with someone else. So we're being obedient to God, allowing him to live in and through us. So it's a joint effort between God and man. One of the most beautiful descriptions of the work of God and man in the scripture is a work of charity, but it's been taken out of all in the Bibles. Anyway, now, now we want to take a look at grace and truth, God's word. We still have God's mercy on us. Mercy endureth forever. You know, he, he protects us when we drive, when we eat, and just he protects us, you know, from all kind of harm and things like that that we aren't even aware of. So his one-way love is still on us. We didn't lose anything by becoming, you know, New Testament, you know, Christians and children of God. We gained so much. We gained a relationship with God that exists forever. My eternal life started back in 1974 when Christ came into my heart. When I die now, all I'll be doing is just dropping off the physical body and going to be with the Lord. First John, excuse me, John 1, 7, 7, John chapter 1, verse 17. For the law was given by Moses, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Now, John 1, 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelled among us. I see, but we were... 
Jesus was made like unto the brethren, the scripture said. Well, there's a scripture I'll show in just a minute, and we'll read in a minute. That, uh, see, Jesus was a man, Christ was in him. And they said, you know, that Jesus was the Christ, but it was the Spirit of Christ in him that he was uh, speaking out when he spoke out and did all those things he did because, you know, he only said what his father told him to say. That means he was speaking the perfect words of Christ from his heart to people, okay? And God backed up his word. Jesus said, I only do what my father tells me to do. So he was obedient in his actions and in his words. But he said many times, though, he said, I myself can do nothing. It is the Father that is in me. See, so it was Christ in him. And that's the way it is for us as Christians. Now, we weren't born with the Spirit in us. We're all born without the Spirit of God in us. And then when we come to a knowledge of God and, and humble ourselves and invite the Spirit of Christ into our heart, see, we are men and women with Christ in us like Jesus was the man Jesus with Christ in him. But see, he was born from all the way from conception with the Spirit in him, and we aren't. We have to make a choice in our life to receive him into our heart. And then uh, Jesus taking our sins on the cross then, we don't have to go through that separation. He removed that completely from us. We never have to be separated from God again throughout eternity, like the separation Jesus took for us on the cross. Okay, in uh, Ephesians 2, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves, the gift of God. So, as I mentioned a while ago, when we receive God's word of the gospel into our hearts to faith, see, we're inviting his word to come into us, uh, to live in us. When his living words, Christ, come into our heart, they immediately perform the works of grace for salvation uh, to create in us a new heart a new life and, and uh, change our heart and everything grace is the automatic response to us receiving God's word into our heart like for example God calls you to teach a Sunday school class to receive the grace of those words you've got to humble yourself and say yes Lord I will I, I'm going to trust that you'll help me but yes I will receive and become that teacher of the Sunday school class. See, you've got to receive his words into your heart. Then you'll get the work of grace in your heart to give you the strength to do that, to, you know, teach a class. And he'll lead and guide you then from in your heart. So first comes faith. We accept and receive God's word in our heart. Then the words come alive in us, or they're already alive, the spirit. <laughs> Excuse me. Jesus says in John 6:63, uh, the spirit quickens the flesh profiteth nothing he said but my words the words I speak unto you they are spirit and they are life so when he speaks to us and we receive his words to faith into our heart see those living words of his spirit are our life but they're also you know the work of grace in us so when you think of work when you think of grace always think of the work of the spirit in a person's heart Mercy is God's word uh, or God's love on people. Now, in uh, Romans 5, 1 to 2, it says, Therefore, being justified, justified, just as if we hadn't sinned, being justified by faith, by acceptance and obedience to God's word, turning to him then, 
invite him to come to heart. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace where we stand. See, it's by faith, accepting his words into our heart then, that we receive this grace wherein we stand. Grace is the automatic response in our heart when we invite the Spirit of his, his words and when we invite God's Word into our heart to faith. Because when His words, they are alive with the Spirit, they produce whatever in us that God has spoken to us that He wants to perform. Colossians 1 6, which is coming to you in all the world and bring forth fruit, and it doth also now, since the day ye heard and knew the grace of God in truth. Okay? Since the first day you've heard of it, like in Titus 2.11 says, The grace of God that brings salvation appeared to all men. Now, Hebrews 4.2 says, For to us was the gospel priest as well as in them, but the word priest did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. See, they didn't receive the love of the word, the spirit of the words. They didn't mix it with faith. And how do you mix it with faith? By saying, Lord, please be inviting his words into your heart, you know, receiving his word into your heart for salvation for the gospel and everything. See, there's not going to be any people in hell or the lake of fire that didn't know the truth. God has promised to bring everybody to a knowledge of the truth. And it says in Romans uh, chapter 1 verse 20, it says, we're all without excuse. And Titus 2.11, the grace of God that brings salvation appeared to all men. See, so people are going to know and reject the love of the words. Titus 2.11, uh, excuse me, Thessalonians 2.10 says, And with all deceivableness and unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. The love of the word, Christ, God's word, you know, like that, rejecting it. See, so God's going to bring everybody to a knowledge. There's not going to be any uh, doubters in heaven, I mean, hell or lake of fire. Because God will have brought everybody to a knowledge of Him and who He is, and they will willfully have to reject Him and His love of His Word into their heart. He'll have to; they'll have to reject Him personally. Because you know He just doesn't send up people off to hell like that. He doesn't predestine people to. He everybody has a free will opportunity to receive Christ in their heart. Now I don't know how He does it for people overseas and everything, a lot of places, but uh, when He well, like Romans chapter 1, verse 20 says, a creation even, you know, uh, just shows and teaches us that there's a God. And God has promised if we respond positively, you know, to his enlightenment to us, he'll give us more. And we'll grow then. He'll give us more and give us more. So uh, I don't know how he does it specifically with all those people, but he says he will. Now, It's the grace of God in truth. Truth being God's word. The grace of God, the work of his word in our heart, because his words are spirit and they are life. And Ephesians one thirteen says, In whom also ye also trusted after you heard the word of truth. See, after you hear the gospel, like it said in Hebrews 4.2, uh, the gospel priest didn't profit them. It's in here. After you hear the word of truth, the, the gospel of your salvation, it says, in whom also after that you believed. See, you believed, and you knew it was true, and you knew it was God and everything. 
you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, the only way to get that sealing is to respond correctly to the words of the gospel. Say, yes, Lord, please forgive me. Come into my heart. And again, Ezekiel 36, 26 is one of the best descriptions of what happens then. It says, a new heart also will give you. A new spirit will I put within you. I'll take away the stony heart out of your flesh, give you a heart of flesh, and I'll put my spirit in you. See, it says here in Ephesians 1.13 that the person believed. They knew it was God. They knew God's word. They trusted him. They invited and received the spirit of the living God, Christ, into their heart. And you're sealed because Jesus says for those that God the Father gives him and brings to him, he will never lose any. See, he's sealed in my heart. New heart, new life. Only Christ can create a new heart. Well, see, I could never change my heart back to what it was before. I can't create the old heart. I can't, you know, uh, take this heart out and say, I'm not a child of God anymore or something like that. See, we're sealed in there. Just like your children, they, they can never deny, they can deny, and, you know, and tell people, you know, uh, uh, I'm disowning them or something like that and everything. But but they're always your children. You're always their father, their mother, stuff like this. You know, you can't change it back. We're always God's children once we receive the Spirit of Christ into our heart of salvation. Now, and uh, that goes along with another subject I didn't plan on uh, mentioning this morning. But once we receive the Spirit of Christ in our heart and Christ is in us, Sin is separation of the heart from God. So read back in First uh, John. I don't have the scripture right here before me now, but in First John it says that with Christ in our heart, we can never sin again. Now what that means is our heart can never be separated from God again. Now we can perform acts of sin, but that's different than being a sinner. Once we receive the Spirit of Christ in our heart, we're joined with God, and it says that we can never sin again because uh, His uh, Spirit and His seed is still in us. Uh, I wish I had those scriptures real close here. They would fit in real good now, but I don't have them memorized. Oh, here they are. In uh, 1 John 3, 6, Whosoever abideth in him, abideth in Christ, sinneth not. See, you can't sin if you're a Christian. You can perform acts of sin or evil acts or something like that, but your heart will never be separated. And that's what sin is in the scriptures, is the separation of the heart from God. Now, like uh, I mentioned in scripture a lot of times, 1 Corinthians Chapter 2, 10, 11. Forgive others, lest you give Satan advantage. Now see, if, if we fail to forgive, we're violating God's rules for us and his laws for us, but we're not sinning. But see, we're, we're performing an, uh, an evil act or a, uh, an act of sin by failing to forgive the other person. We're out of fellowship with God, and we give Satan advantage in our life. But see, we still have Christ in our heart. It says here in 1 John 3, 6, Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth has not seen him, neither knoweth him. See, if your heart separated from God, see, you're, 
you haven't ever received Christ in your heart. Because once he comes in, he will never leave again. First John 3, 9 says, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin for his seed. God's seed, Christ. Christ is the seed of God for anything that's created in this universe. He is the seed. He said, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. As Christians, we cannot sin. Now, we can commit acts of sin, we can commit evil things, but see, sin is a separation of heart. That's why David said in Psalms 51, he says, Against thee and thee only have I sinned. See, David realized and, and knew that sin was between him and God. Now, he had committed adultery and an evil act with uh, Bathsheba. But it wasn't sin against Bathsheba because, see, that's not sin. Sin is separation of the heart from God that caused him to create that evil act and to... You know, in her life too, and everything. See, so we can still commit the same evil acts. We could kill somebody. We could shoot somebody. We could do this, like this, or just rob, steal, cheat. But, but see, that'd just be being a bad, bad child of God. Now, in our heart, with Christ, His love in us, I don't say anybody could do that and everything. But uh, it's possible that a person can create these same evil acts that sinners do. But it is not sin. Sin is a separation of the heart from God. And once we receive the new heart and receive the Spirit in us, we cannot sin or ever be separated in our heart from God again. We're always His children. He's given us a new heart, a new life, put His Spirit in us. And Jesus says, I will never lose any of them. Now, many of the preachers across our country preach and teach that sin is missing the mark. Like in the Old Testament, you learn how to shoot a bow and arrow and everything like that. You shoot it and you miss the mark. You don't hit target. You don't hit the bull, bullseye or something like that, even with a gun or something like this. You're missing the mark. No. When, when you do something for the Lord and you do the best you can, you're not missing the mark. You may make a mistake or something like this, but God is so pleased that you'll trust him enough and go out there and, and then learn from it and next time do better. See, nobody ever starts out doing something, you know, we're not qualified. I was never qualified to speak the first message on the radio, whatever, something like this. It's just you got to take that first time and say, Lord, please help me. Trust him enough that if he calls you to preach that he'll help you as you go and teach you as you go. You know, you don't have to be perfect the first time. But God will be so pleased and everything that you trust him enough that you will let him lead and guide you to speak at devotional or to work with those young people or, you know, whatever it is he calls and asks you to do like that, that you'll trust him enough. Like Jehoshaphat surrounded by three armies, a fear and set himself to seek the Lord. And he trusted God enough that when God said, march out of the gate singing praises and I'll show you the victory. It's, your, it's my battle, not yours. Joseph had trusted God enough. Even though he started out with fear, now he was praising God for his answer. He marched out of the gates with his people, and God performed the victory, and all three armies were killed to the last man. And they didn't even have to fight. But see, you may not know how God's going to help you do what he asks you to do, but trust him enough to do it. God once told David uh, when he went in battle, something like that, said, go wait for the rustle of the mulberry bush, then I will go before you. You know, it was just the, the wording of that is such that if you don't do what I say, I'm not going before you. But David and his generals all went over and waited for the Russell Mulberry Bush. God went before them and they had the victory. See? So, and like this, he gives us a new heart and everything. Only Jesus 
Only, only Christ can come. The creating power of God can create the new heart in us for salvation. And we can't uncreate that to go back to what we were before. You can't lose your salvation. You can't lose your relationship with the Lord. Jesus says, I will not lose any of them that the Father brings to me. See, so sin is separation of heart from God. And we as Christians, it says in or Christ in our heart, whosoever abideth in him, sinneth not. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him. Christ, the seed of God, in him. He cannot sin. Well, let me get back over to where I was now about uh, man exalted to God. It's going to be my next little uh, uh, part of this message here. We've been through mercy. God blesses us so much and everything and he wants us to share with others share with those that will you know curse us despitefully use us and things like this so that he can maybe get them to turn back to him because they, they're rejecting him and everything so he wants to use us as his instruments uh, ambassadors for Christ to speak his word to them and share with them how God treats his people and everything that mercy but then mercy and truth the Old Testament relation Ship as Isaiah 59:21 says, God says, "This is my covenant with them," saith the Lord. My spirit is upon thee; that is mercy, and my words, Christ, I have put in their mouth. See, so uh, mercy and truth, God's mercy and His word. Psalms 25:10, uh, all the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth, as such to keep His covenant's testimonies for all the godly people. The Old Testament, God's covenant was His mercy, love, His His love own people around them protecting them and his word Christ to them like Moses esteemed the riches of Christ greater than all the wealth of Egypt now then Jesus came along and then Jesus then the law was given by Moses grace and truth came by Jesus grace now the work of God's spirit in our heart comes from Jesus resurrection spirit coming to live in our hearts and nobody had ever received Christ in their heart until the day of Pentecost and you can read Acts chapter 10 about Cornelius how he was such a good man close to God and everything and uh, God sent him a message an angel in a vision he said go send after Simon Simon Peter and Jew then Cornelius was a Gentile the Jew will come tell you what to do what you need to do now, see, that, that was, he had to accept those words to faith in his heart and send after Peter then. Peter then, God gave him three visions, say, go talk to that Gentile and tell him what he needs to do to be saved. God gave him three visions. But Peter then had to receive the message of those visions into his heart and actually go talk to the Gentile. And that hadn't been done before because they had you know, never talked back and forth like that. In fact, after he got finished doing that and the other disciples heard about it, they called Peter on the carpet and said, What is this you're doing going to the Gentiles? And then Peter explained to him. But when Peter came to Cornelius, he told him about Jesus. Read in Acts chapters 10 and 11 the message that Peter shared with Cornelius. And then Peter said later, The same thing had happened to them happened to us on the day of Pentecost. So you can see what happens on the day of Pentecost by reading and studying the story of Cornelius and, and how God responded to them. So I'll take a short break here and I will be right back. You are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign.
KLRN Radio has advertising rates available. We have rates to fit almost any budget. Contact us at advertising at klrnradio.com. Visit Richard's website at raharden.com. That's the World Wide Web at rahardin.com. At his website, you can see a summary of the six books he has written, where purchases may be made. He also has a link to 18 videos on YouTube and several blogs about Christian beliefs. If you prefer, visit amazon.com backslash Kindle and type in Richard Harden to see and purchase his books. Each of my programs are being saved so that you can listen to them at any time. There's just four simple steps to find the past programs. Go to www.spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Enter my name, Richard Harden, in the search box in the top center of the home page. Click on the brown icon, which has the Bible, two candlesticks, and a cross in the background. A list of my programs will come up. You're listening to God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden. Richard will guide you through the Bible and help you find God's purpose for your life. Now here's teacher and author Richard Harden. Welcome back. We have about 30 minutes remaining now. And uh, to kind of recap what I've shared this morning again, God's mercy love, one-way love, and He wants us to share it with others. Then God's Mercy and truth was his covenant to the Old Testament. Mercy, his love on people. Isaiah 59, 21. It's my covenant with them, saith the Lord. My spirit is upon thee, and my words are in thy mouth. Okay. Jesus was not in the Old Testament. Jesus was not God coming here to earth, and God dying for us. And um, the reason I shared this about this is a Bible answer man. He says, the infinite God died and suffered infinitely more than any of us could. It was God dying for and suffering for our sin debt. Now, the reason, because every day, uh, except maybe Saturday in the Oklahoma City area, uh, the Bible answer man's on, and he's influencing millions of people around the world. And this is what he teaches that, you know, that uh, Jesus, you know, God died like this. Now, uh, that's not true. It, it sounds great what he says here and everything, but, you know, just because it sounds great doesn't mean it's good or doesn't mean it's God. Then uh, John Hagee, San Antonio, uh, states that anyone who says there is no grace in the Old Testament is scripture illiterate. Now, many other people said, I only mention these two because I know these two are on the TVs here and programs, uh, spending millions of dollars on these programs and everything, sharing these things, and it's very misleading and gives a confused uh, picture of God and his, you know, uh, being. And, and it needs to be uh, truthful and everything. Now, uh, and there's many other people share the same things they do, but I just picked these two because I know how popular they are around the world from these programs that are shown here. Now, look at Luke 2, chapter 52, talking about Jesus, a boy at age 12. They went to the temple. Uh, his mother, Mary, and um, earthly dad then, uh, Joseph, 
left him and had to go back and find him. And he was there talking with the leaders in the temple and everything. But it says in Luke 2.52, And Jesus increased in wisdom. Now, what is wisdom? Wisdom is God's pure word. And stature. So Jesus increased in God's pure word. So he was he was uh, didn't have you might say all of Christ Christ the living word of God he hadn't received all of it Jesus increased in wisdom statue and in favor with God and man in favor with God if he was full of the Spirit then like Jesus says uh, what John Levin says uh, Father I know that thou hearest me always and that uh, you know what I do is pleasing you and everything like that but I say these things so that the people here might know that thou is sent me Lazarus come forth so Jesus prayed out loud to the people and he says I know that thou answers me always and everything but here at age 12 it says that he increased in wisdom after that that means he wasn't filled in he couldn't have increased or he wouldn't have needed to increase if he had been filled in now yeah. and in favor with God if he had been in the you know the fullness of the spirit and everything there wouldn't have been any more favor he could be in and and like the Bible answer man said if he had been God then there wouldn't have been any way for him to increase in wisdom and uh, favor and everything because he was God but no he wasn't the man Jesus died on the cross to take our sins and the Spirit of Christ left him right before that and he said my God my God why hast thou forsaken me so uh, Jesus wasn't God here suffering for us and everything Christ was in him, but left him right before he died and took the suffering of our sins as far as receiving that separation of his heart from God when Christ left him from his heart. Now, 1 Peter 1 2 says, Elect according to foreknowledge of, foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, the sprinkling of his blood, you know, on the cross when he. Uh, Died to make provisions. I say make provision now for our sins to be forgiven because he didn't forgive everybody's sins on the cross. He made provision for our sins to be forgiven. But we have to turn to him and ask for forgiveness for our sins. Now, it says here, the sprinkling of blood of Jesus Christ. What this means is in the Old Testament sacrifices, every time the sacrificial animal was killed, they uh, got the blood, poured the blood out of it, and, and got it and sprinkled it seven times before the mercy seat of God inside the veil of separation something like this from man to God well Jesus on the cross was bleeding giving his life blood in seven places they plucked his beard they put the crown of thorns on him stripes on his back that was three ways then he had his two feet were pierced that makes five and uh, his two hands were pierced seven so the seven sprinklings of of jesus blood while he was dying on the cross giving his blood shedding his blood for us fulfilled the sacrifices of the old testament for the sprinkling of the blood seven times for the mercy of god because god in his mercy if it wasn't for his mercy could have struck any of them down when they were trying to nail him to the cross when they were plucking his beard when they were putting it crown of thorns on his head so he could have struck him down Those stripes on his back he could have struck anybody down you know like that but in his mercy he didn't because of well his love for what Jesus was doing and Jesus voluntarily did that he said that you know that that his God had you know his father had given him permission he didn't have to do that but he says he he did it 
and he did it because of his love for us and what he saw that someday then because of what he did we were going to be able to become children of God too when we receive his resurrection spirit into our heart so it says but with the precious blood of Jesus as of the lamb without blemish and without spot the perfect walk of faith and shedding his blood now John 10 17 says therefore doth my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again he's going to come back come alive and then verse 18 says, No man takes it from me, but I lay it down on myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment I have received from my Father. That's why God was so pleased with him that it exalted him. You know, it said that he was uh, in the scriptures that he was going to be the mediator uh, of the new covenant and everything. But a mediator is between like God and man, between two entities or something like this. But God was so pleased with him that God actually exalted him above that position to the fullness of the Godhead bodily. To the fullness of Godhead. See? That he is equal now as part of the Trinity. He's equal with God and his spoken living word. In fact, God made him the uh, upfront speaker of the Trinity. He speaks the living word, and then the living word Christ comes to us. And so he's exalted in the name of Jesus. We must call out to Jesus for salvation, ask his forgiveness. Then he responds by sending his living word Christ to us to create a new heart, a new life. So make sure that you've received that new heart, new life. Okay. I have the power to take it again, this commandment I have received my Father. That's why God was so pleased with him. Matthew twenty six thirty nine, And, you know, when Jesus was praying in the... Garden of Gethsemane. See, he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, O oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. See, he's not saying, if it be thy will, or, you know, if, you know, like that. He knew what his Father's will was. He, he wasn't questioning that or something like some people pray, if it be thy will, heal this person, or be thy will, do this or that. Listen to the way Jesus says this, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. He went on again the second time and prayed, O oh, my Father, if this cup may not pass from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. See, accept and received his Father's will all the way to the cross. And the devil was tempting him, had him arrested illegally, had him crucified illegally and all this, trying to get him to cry out and argue and fuss. But uh, Philippians 2.14 says, Do all things without complaining and arguing. See, that's what Jesus did for us. He did it. But when we catch ourselves in arguments and complaints, we need to pray and ask his forgiveness too. But anyway, here, Jesus struggled all the way. He received and accepted his Father's will to faith. His last great act of faith was accept and receive his Father's will and die on the cross for us. And that's what makes the devil so mad. That's why the devil's trying to deceive so many people and get them into hell and everything. But every time he gets somebody deceived... He feels like it's a mark against Jesus. He's taken someone Jesus loves from him and everything. And, and John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And, and that's what the devil is doing to people. Not one person was ever um, predestined to die and go to hell. And, uh, was it Matthew 25.40 I read earlier, something like that, 41. Matthew 25, 41, where he says, Depart from me, ye cursed into the eternal lake of fire, created for the devil and his angels. He didn't create it for us. We have to reject him and go. In um, 
Hebrews 4.15 says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with feelings of our infirmities, but in all points he was tempted like we are, yet without sin. See, the man Jesus was tempted, but he had Christ in his heart for strength. We're tempted, but we have Christ in our heart for strength. But we need to know his living words. We need to grow like in wisdom, like, you know, the child Jesus at age 12. He increased in wisdom, stature, and favor. We need to increase with God's word in us so that when things happen throughout the daytime, Christ in our heart can remind us in our minds and everything what we need to do. Uh, Hebrews 12.2 Looking to Jesus, author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, that he knew what was going to happen when his spirit came back to live in all these people, and you know, uh, to create in us a new heart, a new life, and everything. Now, despising the shame and set down at the right hand of the throne of God, he saw what was going to happen for us, the potential for our forgiveness, if we'll call out and ask forgiveness, and then the, receiving the new heart and life, but Jesus may have received a little more than he expected because he was expecting to be exalted to the you know, the mediator between God and man. But God did even more than that. He was so pleased with him. He exalted him to the fullness of the Godhead, and the Trinity was created then. The covenant in the Old Testament was God's mercy and truth, God's mercy and his living word. Now, uh, it was God, the living word, in Christ. God the Father, Jesus speaks his living word to us. Jesus is a ruler over God's kingdom, just like Joseph was a ruler over the Pharaoh's kingdom back in the Old Testament. Psalms, excuse me, in Genesis chapter 40 to 50. Read that to see what the Trinity and a physical relationship is like. Um, the Pharaoh exalted Joseph to the second highest position and said, You shall rule by your word. People shall lift and live and die by your word. See, and now in God's kingdom, God has exalted Jesus to the fullness. And in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, it says that God has given him the speaker relationship. And we must call out to Jesus. And then when Jesus hears us and we have an honest way, uh, just saying the words doesn't receive the response from Jesus. And uh, Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. So it's got to be an honest request to uh, Jesus. Lord, please forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Put your spirit in me, the spirit of Christ in me, your living word. And in, uh, and I commit my life to you. I see with an honest call out like that or just your heart crying out, oh God, help, or something like that. When, when this true request comes to Jesus, he then responds by sending his living word, Christ, into our heart. And see, that is what determines whether we're a child of God or not. Did we call out with all our hearts? You can't just say, well, I don't want to get rid of these sins over yet like that. You know, I just want to get saved. You know, I'm going to uh, call out to Jesus and, and say, Lord, please forgive me my sins so I won't go to hell. But uh, I'm not going to make you my Lord yet. See, that don't work like that. Because, see, you've got to have a repentant prayer. And a repentant prayer means that you want to turn and get rid of those sins you have. You've, you've had all of it you want, you know, and you see there's no profit in it. That all it is is just hurt and hate, jealousies, greed, all this stuff. 
and you say, Lord, please forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from them. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can't just ask Him to forgive you so you won't go to hell. If you're truly repentant, you'll want Him to clean out your heart. You'll want Him to take those sins and those things that hurts and everything and from your heart. And then see the response back from Jesus in doing that, in forgiving your sins, cleansing your heart, putting His Spirit of love in you for where all that hate and lust and everything was, you'll know the difference. A new creature in Christ Jesus, behold, all things become new. Galatians 4, 6, And because your sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your heart, see, He sent forth that Spirit into your heart, when you honestly called out to Him and asked Him to forgive you and invited Him to come into your heart. Because your sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Daddy, Father, Wherefore you no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then heir of God through Christ, joint heir with Jesus, to all of God's promises, to all of his blessings, and we're part of his family now, forever. Okay. That was because Jesus did it for us, provided for us. That's why God was so pleased with him. Romans 1, 3 says, Concerning his son, Jesus, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. See, Jesus was made of the seed of David, the man Jesus. But he was made of God from Christ. The angel spoke the living word Christ to Mary. She was conceived, and Jesus was made of the man through Mary of the seed of David. He was made of God the seed of Christ in him from the conception of Mary on but on the cross Christ left him alone and he cried out my God my God why hast thou forsaken me and he took the sins of the world he took those sins and made provision then for us to be forgiven if we'll just turn to him simple gift turn to him and ask forgiveness then when we respond in faith to his word, the gospel, the good news like that, and we turn and ask forgiveness, invite him to come in, then when Jesus sends his spirit into our heart, he creates in us that work of grace, which is an automatic response then to an honest request by faith to God. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Wherefore God also highly exalted him, Jesus, and given him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And God had already said back in Isaiah, he said, uh, every, everybody's going to bow their knees to me and confess that I'm God, you know, something like that. But see, now he, he's lifted Jesus up to where it's going to be a confession of Jesus as God said, that, that the name of Jesus ever knee shall bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth. And God said back here in Isaiah that they were going to do that to him. But now, see, he's transferring that and saying they're going to do it to Jesus. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Then it says, to the glory of God the Father. See, that'll glorify God when you glorify the Son. In fact, it says in the, uh, John, I don't know which person now offhand, says uh, you can't glorify God without glorifying the Son. Because, you know, uh, it, it doesn't work that way. To glorify God, you've got to glorify the Son and respect and honor Jesus. Hebrews 10, 10 and 12. By the which will, 
will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus once for all once his body on the cross in verse 12 but this man see that's what it says in the scripture this man doesn't say he was God it said this man after he had offered one sacrifice for sin sit down on the right hand of God first Timothy uh, chapter 2 verse 5 and 6 for there is one God and one mediator between God and men. This is Paul, Apostle Paul saying he's kind of a conflict here now, and he brings this out and mentions it in the Scripture. Because, see, it was first intended for Jesus to be exalted, to be the mediator between God and man. But now something's happened, and Paul's talking about it here. He says, For there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in the same. And in Galatians 3.20 it says, Now a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. He's saying, you know, uh, a mediator will be between God and man. But he's saying now it's changed, and Jesus was exalted above or through being a mediator to the fullness of God as the third part of the Trinity. Jesus, the man, exalted to God. You know, so... God was so well pleased with him. It says in one of the verses that he didn't allow his flesh to be destroyed. Now, no telling where it is now. You know, if it didn't allow his flesh to be destroyed, it's still around. But but you can see here then that uh, Jesus was not God coming down here to die for us. You know, uh, the eternal God dying. That sounds like a good theory and everything, but it's not true. You can't glorify God by making up something that sounds good. Uh, the infinite God... As was said, uh, died and suffered infinitely more than any of us could. It was God dying and suffering for our sin debt. That sounds so great, but it's not true. You can't glorify God with a lie. Jesus, the man, died on the cross. And God loved him so much. Well, he didn't love him so much. He loves all of us with a perfect love. Let me rephrase that. God was pleased with him so much for what he did that he exalted it to even being more than just a mediator between God and man he exalted him to the fullness of the Godhead bodily now we have the Trinity in the Old Testament it was God and his living word Christ Jesus completed the Trinity then read in uh, Genesis uh, about the story of Joseph and how the Pharaoh exalted him to be the ruler, the second highest position in Egypt. He gave him his ring of power. He gave him all power over the people of Egypt. Um, you know, uh, he, he said, you shall rule by your word. And he told uh, the people that they all had to bow down. And when G when uh, Joseph came in their presence, they had to bow down and praise him and, you know, like this. Um, that's a physical trinity there of Joseph being exalted to the ruler position. But he was more like the mediator between the uh, Pharaoh and people. But he had complete authority and rule until the Pharaoh would step in. But Jesus was exalted even through that position spiritually to God. He is part of the Godhead bodily now. He is the, exalted to the fullness of Godhead. So uh, I hope that I got this message across to you today that... Um, Mercy, God wants us to show His mercy, His love for others. 
because sometimes, you know, God making his presence known to people, you know, some people have been hurt real bad. I know my sister has been hurt real bad and everything. And uh, others that when any mention of God or something like that, it, it, it really bothers them. It bothers me for her and everything too, so much. So uh, it's really a burden. But uh, people blame God for things that people cause. You say, well, he allowed evil. No, evil is the absence of God. Like a dryness. You can't create dryness, but you can remove the moisture and get dryness. You know, silence. You can't create silence, but you remove the noise and get silence. Well, that's the way it is with evil. You can't create evil, but you get to evil when God is removed, like look at our society in the last several years, they've taken Ten Commandments off all the walls, and they've taken uh, manger scenes and not allowed them in a lot of things, you know, and they um, don't allow prayer in schools. We used to always have prayer at the start of the day in schools, uh, through the microphone, all of us joined together and had a prayer to start and things like this. Don't allow prayer at sports events and things like this. See. As God is being pushed out of our society, evil is what remains. Then the works of evil are lying, cheating, stealing, adultery, you know, lust, and, and murder, robbery, rape, things like this. Those are works of evil. Those are works of sin. But see, it, it's God didn't create that. Pushing him out, turning from him. Telling what kind of work, like uh, Jesus even taught in the New Testament. You know, it said... Uh, You've heard saying today, you know, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And he says, no, that's not, you know, share love with them. He says, but, uh, you know, kill your enemy and like this. No, love them. But he's saying if you even say Raka or something like that to one of your people, and, you know, instead of calling them a fool. See, it's in the heart where the separation from God comes. Then there's no telling what kind of works of evil will come out as a result of it. You'll start hating the person a little bit, and then you'll start, you know, telling lies about the person. You'll start this, and then finally it might even lead to you killing them. See, but the works of evil that come from a, a heart separated from God is what Jesus came to forgive us for, that separation of our heart from God. Um, Christ in us. You know. Today, I want to, you know, share with you that... Uh, the relationship we have today with God, God the Father, the Spirit of Christ, you know, His spoken living word, and and Jesus, uh, they uh, are the Trinity relationship, but it's similar to the physical relationship in the, uh, well, let's see, in the book of Genesis 42 to 50. The physical relationship between Joseph and Pharaoh, the Pharaoh willed, and Joseph performed through his word, Pharaoh's will. And the spiritual relationship of the Trinity, the Father wills, and Jesus performs through his living word, Christ, his Father's will. So we have, as our Trinity relationship today then, uh, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the living word, Christ their spoken word to us but uh, God has made Jesus the upfront speaker in Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 through 2 it 
tells that in the past, God spoke to the people and he sent his prophets and priests. And he says, but today he speaks to us through his son, Jesus. So, in a trinity, God the Father stepping back and giving Jesus the upfront type speaking position, like the Pharaoh stepped back after he exalted Joseph, he spoke, well, he stepped back and allowed Joseph to do the upfront day by day speaking and ruling in Egypt. Now, Jesus rules God's kingdom by his spoken living word, Christ. Like Joseph ruled the Pharaoh's kingdom by his spoken word. Now, uh, in this Trinity relationship, this didn't exist before Jesus, you know, uh, was exalted to the fullness of the Godhead. Before, like in Egypt, before Joseph was exalted by the Pharaoh, Egypt uh, was being ruled by the Pharaoh and the Pharaoh's word. Before God exalted Jesus to the fullness of the Godhead bodily and the equality with God, God's kingdom was being ruled by God in his spoken word, spoken word Christ. And you can see that Christ was the only, in the Old Testament, his spoken word. In Hebrews eleven twenty six, it says, Moses esteemed the riches of Christ greater than all the wealth of Egypt. See, so the living word, God spoke, let there be light. His living word, Christ, went forth and created that light. Um, and when God spoke to Moses, Christ, the living word, Moses esteemed that living word greater than all the wealth of Egypt. And he gave that up and uh, joined his people then. But now, so in the Old Testament, the Godhead was God in his word, God's love, mercy to the people, like it said in Isaiah, that was his covenant, his word to the people, and his truth, and his mercy, his love. So love and mercy was the Old Testament Godhead. Uh, well, was it Psalms 10, let's see. Excuse me, in Psalms 25.10, that's right, it said, The mercy and truth are all the ways of the Lord. Mercy and truth, his love on and to the people of the Old Testament, and his word to them. But then, uh, when Jesus was exalted to the fullness of the Godhead in the New Testament, after Jesus' death and burial, now, he, he died on the cross as a man, and then he was buried, resurrected, and exalted to the fullness of God. Now, Jesus and Christ are the same, but they weren't then. When he died, he died as a man, taking our sins. So today, in the Godhead, we have God's love, mercy to us, his word to us, the truth, and Jesus as the upfront spokesman of God to us today. So we have the Trinity, but the Trinity existed when God existed exalted Jesus to the fullness of the Godhead bodily. John three sixteen seventeen. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him, Jesus, should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now my revision is this. 
for John 3.16. For God so loved the people of the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that Jesus should endure the loneliness, the suffering of the perfect walk of faith, and the painful sufferings of his seven sprinklings of his blood on the cross by the crown of thorns, the plucking of his beard, the nails in his two feet, the nails in his two hands, and the terrible stripes on his back, that Jesus would go through all this suffering. God allowed these sufferings in his mercy so that all of God's already pre-elected and predestined people prior to birth to die and go to heaven, that they would actually die and go to heaven. That sounds so ridiculous. If only predestined or elected people prior to their birth go to heaven, then there would have been no need for the work and suffering of Jesus. No one's destiny would or will ever be changed by Jesus' suffering and death on the cross for our sins and salvation, because everything required for our salvation would have already been done prior to our birth by God's act of electing and predestining us to heaven or hell before birth. After God has predestined us to heaven or hell, there would be no need or no more to be done in heaven and earth. It would already be finished before our birth. So what's happening here is the devil hates Jesus so much that he's come up with this Calvinist, devilish, deceived theology that would have us think that we're predestined or elected prior to birth to go to heaven or hell and that would make all the suffering and work of Jesus as our Savior totally unnecessary, totally worthless, and Jesus totally useless. For his life and death on the cross would not change anything prior to, you know, people dying and going to heaven or hell. Because it's already been done by God predestining and electing them to heaven or hell before we were born. See how ridiculous that is? Good day. God bless you. KLRN Radio has advertising rates available. We have rates to fit almost any budget. Contact us at advertising at klrnradio.com. You are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. Visit Richard's website at raharden.com. That's the World Wide Web at rahardin.com. At his website, you can see a summary of the six books he has written, where purchases may be made. He also has a link to 18 videos on YouTube and several blogs about Christian beliefs. If you prefer, visit Amazon.com backslash Kindle and type in Richard Harden to see and purchase his books. For past programs of God's Pure Word of Faith, each of my programs are being saved so that you can listen to them at any time. There's just four simple steps to find the past programs. Go to www.spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R dot com. Enter my name, Richard Harden, in the search box in the top center of the home page. 
click on the brown icon which has the Bible, two candlesticks, and a cross in the background. A list of my programs will come up. You are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. KLRN Radio has advertising rates available. We have rates to fit almost any budget. Contact us at advertising at klrnradio.com. 